Welcome to the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. I'm Janelle Davis. In the 12th century, Andreas Capulanos wrote a book about love. Here are some of the rules he outlined. One, marriage is no real excuse for not loving. Two, he who is not jealous cannot love. Three, no one can be bound by a double love. Four, it is well known that love is always increasing or decreasing. Five, that which a lover takes against his will of his beloved has no relish. Six, boys do not love until they arrive at the age of maturity. Skipping ahead a little, Rule 11 reads, It is not proper to love any woman with whom one should be ashamed to seek to marry. But then there's Rule 13, When made public, love rarely endures. Rule 14, the easy attainment of love makes it of little value. Difficulty of attainment makes it prized. 15, every lover regularly turns pale in the presence of his beloved. 16, when a lover suddenly catches sight of his beloved, his heart palpitates. But watch out for number 29, a man who is vexed by too much passion usually does not love. 30. A true lover is constantly and without intermission possessed by the thought of his beloved. And finally, Rule 31. Nothing forbids one woman being loved by two men or one man by two women. Now, Capilanos gives lots of other rules and explanations and even some entertaining descriptions of disgusting women to boot. But was he really outlining a playbook on love or making fun of it? Or were the rules a warning, maybe, about manipulative women and the ludicrousy of love? If only we could go back to 1174 and find out. At least through Capilanus's oft-quoted rules of love, along with other literature of the time, we get a sense of the medieval social system and its near obsession with the cult of love. Love as a feeling, as a measure of character and nobility, unrelated to the duties of marriage or family obligation. And this different courtly love we're talking about? Well, that was L-U-V love. And it was something single-mindedly pursued, or so we gather from medieval literature and poetry on the topic. Let's just say that there was a lot of swooning, a lot of lingering, a lot of hoping, a lot of promises, a lot of aching with desire. Love was about the journey, though, not the destination. Fulfillment usually stayed just out of reach, the pleasure of pursuit a far greater thing than love's consummation. One place courtly love was expressed in heaps and measures is in the songs of medieval troubadours. Troubadours flourished in the region that stretched across the south of France from east to west, incorporating Catalonia and the Italian Piemont, where the Languedoc was spoken. Troubadours came from every walk of life. Not all were wandering minstrels or drifters singing for their supper. Rather, they came from diverse backgrounds and social classes, from worker bees all the way up to well-off young men and rich lords. The one thing all troubadours seemed to have in common, though, was an unrequited love that they expressed through poetry and song. A 2014 recording from Ensemble Saladon, led by Palen Bungden, presents music of the troubadours, titled Nui Occitan, or Occitan Nights. The recording reflects passion and desire and a usually vain search for love, charged under the cover of darkness. A characteristic text reads, quote, all my desires are of love, for I am in love's service, since I pay her such homage my lady must accept it, for I have chosen the best of this world. 
It continues, I am and will remain her love as long as life shall last. Do not think that this shall lessen, for my love will only increase in the land where she dwells. I shall pay her homage, my hands folded and with a true heart. And then, if I speak of joy, do not think it comes from pride, for I love and desire her so much that if I were sentenced to death, rather than pray God that he accept me into paradise, I would rather ask him to grant me a night with her. Performance interpretations of Troubadour songs vary widely due in no small part to the fact that only a few manuscripts for the almost 200-year Troubadour tradition remain. And from those few manuscripts, many of the texts don't have corresponding melodies anymore. In order to perform these pieces, then, musicians have to come up with some solutions. One option is to create a new melody in the style of the place and time in question. Another is to fit the unassigned text to a different melody that does survive. Thanks to standard poetical forme fixe, it's not as tricky of a procedure as you might think. Lover's Comments, for example, track one of this recording, borrows its tune from another song found in the Tropaire of St. Marshall of Limoges. Melody is one thing, but rhythm is another matter altogether, as there are even fewer clues in the surviving notation for rhythmic systems. The natural accentation of the text is a good place to start, and the result is perhaps similar to the sound of chant. Another option, though, is to assign more regular rhythms to the melodies in the manner of dances or estampidas. You can hear both approaches in Ensemble Celadon's performance of Rasatan Kreis. The sung sections employ the former method, contrasting with instrumental sections that are more regularly rhythmical. Ensemble's use of instruments in performing these troubadour songs brings up another question. 
Without written-down parts, how do we know what kind of accompaniment is within the realms of historical performance standards? And beyond that, what about a little polyphony creeping into these monodies? Well, this was a time when polyphony was slowly beginning to spread its wings, so various polyphonic effects are not outside of the realm of possibility. Ensemble Celadon's performance of Can L'Herbe Fresque exhibits both a careful use of polyphony with the voices, as well as a tasteful use of percussion and other instruments that drone, double, parallel parts of the octave, or improvise countermelodies. The art of the troubadours eventually did die out, but not before spreading far and wide, even into Germanic lands where the Minnesänger flourished. We'll explore music of a famous Minnesänger, Oswald von Wolkenstein, next week on the podcast. But as far as troubadour anthologies go, I've really enjoyed this one from Ensemble Saladon. It is in some ways understated, but that's a good thing. Rather than demanding attention, I find it subtly beautiful, inviting engagement rather than forcing it. If you like what you've heard today from Ensemble Saladon, you'll find a link to their CD on our website. Just visit harmoniaearlymusic.org. While you're there, have a look at our archive of blogs, podcasts, and shows, and don't forget to check out our online shop, where a portion of your purchase will benefit Harmonia. This has been the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. I'm Janelle Davis. Thanks for listening.